places that you've been and the experiences you've had. Sometimes, you know, the biggest work is the work we have to do on ourselves and not even the work we have to do on our business. That can come, I think, super easily and quickly when we figure out what it is that we need to do for ourselves to get to where you are today. Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblatt, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Well, hello, everybody, and happy 2019. Welcome back to another episode of Her Drive Podcast. This is Cynthia Kremblet, and I am so excited to have Miss Sarah Chaplin on the show today. Sarah is someone that I met, um, I think, back in October of last year, and we had the great honor, or at least I had the honor to travel with her um, for, I, th- I think it was over a week, and during our time working together on this uh, photo shoot project, I got to know quite a good deal about Sarah's story, felt super inspired by all of her wisdom and the passion that just exudes from her. And hopefully, actually, I know that anyone listening to the podcast will certainly be inspired by Sarah. So Sarah, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. That's a very warm welcome. <laughs> I love spending time with you too. And so I'm super excited to um, be here with you today and reconnect with you. And um, thank you for honoring um, all that you felt when we were together. It, it means a lot. Of course, of course. It's hard not to. <laughs> well, um, what I love a lot about, I mean, there's so many things to say that I, I loved and love about you ongoing, um, is that you're extremely dynamic. And I've noticed the more and more women that I meet and um, that share space with me and we dive into deeper conversation is that we're all so dynamic and have really fascinating stories and twists and turns and roadblocks. And, you know, you say, oh, look at that, that little roadside attraction. Should I stop or should I keep going? And you are someone that, I think is a constant learner. And um, what we spent a lot of time talking about was nutrition. And I would love if you could kind of share your journey with everybody about um, what you were doing in the past, um, which led you to uh, getting your training in, in, um, in integrative nutrition, and which then led to you writing a very charming children's book. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think my nutrition journey began very unknowingly when I was a child. Um, My mom had um, multiple cirrhosis when I was just going into my teenage years. And it put me in a position where I learned very quickly that some foods helped her symptoms and some foods made them worse, being basically um, foods that were unhealthy making her worse and foods that were healthy, making her better. And then within that, there were specific healthy foods that didn't always work for her as well. And so I came to learn that there was really a diet that would help MS um, and learned to cook more and loved cooking. It was my favorite class at middle school. But at the time, I had no idea that I would end up with a business that was built on helping people learn to cook and eat better to help them feel their best. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I went from those school days to being very good at chemistry and um, took chemistry at university. And to be honest, of the four years of just straight chemistry that we did in um, the British education in universities there, the one piece that I loved the most and was most intrigued by and passionate about was how our bodies work based on the ingredients, the nutrients that they're getting. Um, And I was just fascinated by this machine that we are and what it needs to actually fuel us. So all the vitamins and the minerals and how they all work together and where they come from in our food system was just, you know, so exciting and I couldn't get enough of it. And it was actually one of our shortest courses. Um, From there, I definitely knew that that was an interest of mine, but I'd done four years of straight chemistry and I really just wanted to get out and work. And um, the thought of going back and doing more education and more training just wasn't, wasn't there for me at that time. I needed a break. And someone suggested um, that I think about what I wanted my life to be like. And I knew that one of the things I always wanted to be able to do with my life was to be able to work from anywhere. And I knew that I had been great at teaching. I had been teaching, um, assisting teaching trampolining since I was an early teenager as well. And an injury prevented that from really becoming my my main career in gymnastics. Um, I had a nasty fall on the trampoline. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I recovered, but it was the first time I think I'd really had a fright that limited me from being able to go beyond my fear. Um, And so I kind of ended up just not being able to push myself as much in my trampolining and my gymnastics as I might have once done if I hadn't have had this scare and this injury. Um, but combining anyway, that passion for teaching, um, led me to go do my teacher training and then I became a teacher. Um, but the road to teaching, um, although it was very easy for me to teach, I was very good at it. I taught high school chemistry and the sciences and it, it just burnt me out in the end. I did 10 years in England and, um, about the same over here in America, And that's kind of when I really started to struggle. I felt like I was living my life in the vacations, in the breaks, and connecting Mm. up with family and friends then and going on vacation and cleaning the house and sorting out my closet and all the things that you would normally do in the week in life were just being pushed into these breaks. And my work-life balance, and it was just off completely. Partly, I think, because I was a perfectionist and and wanted to do things well, and partly because I'm such a giver and I wanted to always do that next thing that would be best for the kids um, in terms of experiences as well as in the classroom and out of the classroom from clubs and things. And and I just got to that point when I was working in a very challenging school of, of being very sick and burnt out and struggling with stress. And it wasn't until I got my own health coach who happened to be a colleague in a different school who I'd done my master's with. And we'd done a a project about wisdom and wellness and how kids could be in the best state to learn from their, you know, health and their nutrition. Um, 
it was at a time when policies for every school district to have um, in place um, a wellness policy for schools was being implemented. So we helped with that with our master's project. So I had a colleague who needed kind of guinea pigs to practice on in order to graduate from her integrative nutrition um, health coaching training. And so I was like, well, I need help and you're there and you've got some skills that you've been learning. Let's do this together. And it was the first time in working with her to set realistic goals and take the bigger goals and break them down into manageable weekly chunks that I really regained my work-life balance, reduced my stress, found time for cooking again and for you know, being healthy and getting out in nature and getting to exercise classes and de-stressing and yoga and everything. And and so I was so amazed by the ability to have someone listening to you and guiding you and supporting you and setting goals with you and the difference that it made to me in my transformation that I was really inspired to go and train myself. And then from there, it a lot happened really but that was how it all kind of started <laughs> that's not I mean that's quite a journey but it I mean it wasn't mm. it doesn't you say it so eloquently and um beautifully um piece the entire story together but like what was the most challenging part of that entire journey was it when you first discovered like I'm not well or was it making the decision okay I'm not well now I need to implement this knowledge that I'm, I'm gaining from, from someone. I think the most challenging part before was before that, really, when I felt helpless, like I didn't have tools to lean on. I, I would come home and be upset and talk about it forever to various friends and not really make any progress. I was being heard and listened to a lot, but I wasn't being really given actionable steps and tools that I could practice and implement. And so I think it was really before in that helplessness of sort of coming home to just being on your own and like, well, what do I do now? How do, how do I get the energy to want to do the dishes and cook for myself when I just feel completely blah, you know, and drained and emotional and upset. And at the time, what were you, what were you consuming? I mean, I was really not eating that badly or anything. And I wasn't drinking any more than a regular social drink out with friends on a say Friday or Saturday night. I was still eating a lot of, you know, good food, but I wasn't sleeping well. I would, you know, want cake and cookies and all those comfort kind of foods a lot. Um, and I wasn't really managing my stress. I think I was sort of an, an, at an elevated level of stress pretty much all the time. And... Um, I didn't take any medication. I really just didn't want anything from the doctor to help me. Um, I didn't want any of the side effects of anything. I wanted to do something naturally. But I was just even too exhausted to come home and research almost what to do, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you hired – is that why you hired the coach, to, to just basically put the plan together for you? 
Well, it wasn't really a conscious decision to hire her. I mean, she was just there. We were good friends. She needed someone. She asked me, and I was like, sure, I'm kind of struggling. <laughs> and it just kind of happened in one small conversation. It wasn't like I'd been researching what, what I should do or who I should hire. i just been kind of stuck in the mud, like the tires of a car can get, and just going round and round and the wheels turning in the same old way and not going out of the rut that the tire was in, you know. So I guess I loved her and I trusted her and I just kind of surrendered because I knew her already perhaps to, Mm, hey, let's do this, you know. I think I just hit the lowest point where I was like, okay, I'll have help. I hadn't really ever been one to ask for help in the past. Um, Do you think it's important to ask for help? I mean, I think it is, and and I think a lot of times many of us can struggle to ask for help. Um, I think in my situation, I was so busy as a child feeling like I was there to help my sister who was younger than me and to help my mother who was sick. You know, I was always trying to help. Um, And I think innately we all want to help each other, but I think sometimes we find it hard to ask for help ourselves. Um, and that can be a journey to allow yourself to have help come in. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. That was one of my greatest revelations or switches, changes, however you want to define it in last year, 2018, um, is that I realized that one, I needed a community. I couldn't just be this free bird trying to accomplish my big goals. I need to establish deeper connections and ask for help and not even just ask for it when it was offered have the grace and not be prideful and say yes and just accept accept the help yeah and I think also when people have offered because a lot of times people offer and I would find myself almost waiting for them to actually offer again um up at the door or you know give that first gesture more than just the offer and I had to learn that they have offered and they do mean it. And then the next step is that you have to tell them when you need it and say, look, you you said you'd help. Is there any chance you might be free to help me um, tomorrow with such and such? And I think um, on some of our deeper things that we're going through, our challenges, that's when it can be the hardest to be the most vulnerable and then ask for the help that was offered to you. What is the greatest, most impactful help you've ever received from someone? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, I think I've had so many people that have helped me along my journey. But I think when you meet someone who is very much on their own journey and has been through a lot themselves, there's a different listening that they have for you. And I think those kinds of people, and I've met several women like that, and I would include you as one of them when you know we were on our night hike and chatting, um, that in the ability to be so open and vulnerable with someone you're able to receive the biggest listening and the biggest help and support. 
Um, and it might not be that they come up with do this, that, and the other, but just in their listening and their compassion, there's healing that there's love, you know, and there's healing in that love, just being listened to and heard. Hmm, I, I agree. Question, <laughs> I think it does. I, I really do. There's no wrong answer. And I totally relate to what you just said on, on so many different levels. Um, and I guess coupled with that, I, I'm kind of curious as you've moved away from teaching, um, so you're no longer in the classroom, you are now a health coach and an author. Um, can you kind of explain like how you are now giving help to others? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a transition for sure. Um, I took my education that I'd had from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and transformed lots of schools, um, became a national ambassador for healthy schools, wrote the children's storybook, um, mostly because there's really not that much time for nutrition education in elementary schools, um, but there's lots of time for, for reading. Um, and those things really allowed me to see that, making a difference um, in those kinds of communities and then the families associated with them um, just has such a ripple effect on all their other communities. So, you know, you help one child or one family and then they help their friends and they help the people that go to their church or that are in their soccer team or that live down the street from them. And in the modeling of their health behaviors changing for the better, other people around them see that behavior and start asking questions and start trying things for themselves and start changing their habits. Um, so when I work with one person, I, I always am aware that really I'm working with so many people in that one person that I'm helping. And I really think that's really the beauty of the transformation in health journeys. It's the, you know, a lot of times people come with, you know, the wife and the husband and they want their husband to be better and they want to lose weight too. But really I'm always like, it doesn't need him to come along. You, you can just focus on you and he'll get it. He'll just get mm -hmm. it being you. And so will the kids. And Oftentimes there's such an urgency, I think, for people to change other people around them and change themselves. And they forget that really if you just take care of your own self and your own health and your own happiness and your own, you know, alignment with who you were born to be and what sparks you and makes you joyful, everything else around you kind of falls into place and, and benefits the people around you. And I think a lot of times as as especially as women we're so nurturing everyone else we forget to take the time to nurture ourselves and our health and happiness and sometimes when we take time for us to just look after us and become our best selves you know we we make ourselves wrong for giving us that time for that self-care and, and for those interests we have and and really when we give ourselves permission to give ourselves that time we become better better wives, better girlfriends, better mothers, better, better us. We show up better for everyone else around us in our communities and in our families. Um, so. Mm. 
Strong pearls of wisdom there, Sarah. <laughs> just going off on one, and now I forget what the question was. <laughs> you know, honestly, no, no, the question, you were so mean. No, the question was, how are you helping other people? But I think he, my interpretation of that is you are, well, number one, living in your truth and your authenticity and doing what your bliss bubble entails and also, you know, providing others with the tools through your health coaching to be their best selves and treat themselves right. And then by being that beacon for themselves, others are looking at them as role models for better um, health and integration of of a lifestyle change. That yeah. was my interpretation of your answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in essence, that really boils down to, you know, finding what foods work best for you. Um, we have so many different types within our, our chemistry of our body, our blood type, our metabolism, our Ayurvedic type, our genetics. And we have all these factors that make us a unique chemistry and biochemistry. And so, you know, you might see your friend lose 20 pounds on such and such diet and you try it and don't get the same results and that's because it's not the right one for you and and so really I'm just helping people figure out by becoming in tune with themselves and how they feel mentally and physically what works best for them and then taking that to all the other modalities for health so you know what what fitness works best for you maybe the gym and lifting weights isn't your thing and just walking is, you know, and hiking in nature. But it's it's do what works for you and, and what kinds of ways to de-stress and find joy and what kind of thoughts work best for you so that you can just be you and do the best job of being you. It's kind of how I ended up with the name My Best Fuel. It's all mm-hmm. about what fuels you, not just from the food, but all the other things that make us healthy. But most certainly, and the biggest I, biggest muscle I think in all of that that I'm seeing more and more is the mindset. Definitely. Well, that's beautiful. Well, I'm curious, um, Sarah, what what are your rituals, or how do you tr- do your best to stay within your truth and be that beacon of um, of healthy living and and having your best fuel? Well, I think the biggest thing I've had to learn to do that for myself and this has been quite a challenge because I'm an active doer and you know quite sort of like uh, interested in so many things and 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 has been to slow down Um, in the slowing down there's definitely more listening I think to um god or spiritual the universe whatever your version of what you want to call um all of that sort of i guess divineness is but i think in the slowing down there's there's a listening there's an intuition there's the gut feelings there's the okay we're going down this road but i want to turn right now actually and i don't know why i just have a gut feeling i should turn right and then i have a gut feeling maybe i should stop here for lunch and then lo and behold you bump into a long lost friend or you know those kinds of um those kinds of messages should i do this should i do that should i turn left here turn right here should i call this person should i you know, email that person. I think all of those kind of messages are so much clearer when we slow down 
And when we slow down, we get those messages of what our bodies and what our brains need to. Like, oh, I just need to take a nap right now. So at the core of everything I do really is slow down, listen to what I need at that any given moment and be in that moment and try to give myself what my body and my brain is telling me I need right now. Um, that might be I need to go have some fun and blow off some work that mm-hmm. I need to do that evening because I'm not feeling great and the fun will make me feel great again. So I do a ton of things, but it's always driven by what do I need to do right now to feel good and to give me some relief and to make me happy. And and I've learned, and this is the biggest thing, I think, in terms of business things, if I can slow down and do what makes me feel good first because I've listened to what my body and brain is telling me to do, when I do sit down to do that work, um, I'll do it better and I'll do it quicker. And so sometimes we can spend five hours on something and think, oh, I've done so great. I've spent five whole hours. And at other times I can knock something out in an hour because I took the other four to play or explore or nap or do something that just gave me some relief and made me feel better. So that's at the core of everything. And of course, you know, meditation, yoga, um, scheduling, planning my work and working my plan is a kind of mantra I have, you know, not skipping meals, getting lots of cuddles with my dog, being active mm-hmm. to appreciating them, the, the beauty of it, um, you know, lots and lots of things like writing positive aspects of things. And and are you doing these, um, these positive writings? Um, are you journaling each day or do you, do you have daily rituals? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much do sort of like five things I'm really grateful for a day, five things I'm really proud of me for, for the day and five desires. So I'm looking towards my future every day. So my journal kind of works around that kind of structure and then carries on after that. Um, I do a big plan my week, um, usually on a Sunday. Um, if I'm not traveling for the weekend and then I just work through that plan every day and look at it. Um, I do 15 minutes of meditation a day. Um, that's really, I think all you need for sort of to work with your genetics and their expression. I probably do at least 15 minutes of yoga a day. Um, the older I get, the more I need that when I wake up, (laughs) Um, I try to work out every day. Um, Right now I have a sprained ankle, so that's going to look a little bit different. It's probably going to be lots of floor exercises and (laughs) adapting to that. But I still, even though, say, I'm challenged right now with a sprained ankle, I'm going to still do as much as I can to really boost the serotonin that's in my my chemistry because that's really what's driving everything. It's driving the reduction of our stress. It's driving our sleep. it's driving our feel good and our inspiration and our calls to action. You know, if we listen to it and we build that. Um, That's beautiful. Well, you just sound like a very mindful person. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I ever was. I think it's grown definitely over the years. I, I used to be 
aware of things, but very much more efforting, you know, pushing and doing what I thought I should do instead of what I really wanted to do. There was a lot more efforting in everything I did, a lot more, oh, you know, everyone else is doing this, so I should do this, or, you know, I'm being told to do this, so I should do this, you know, especially, I think, in the work world, whereas now I'm sort of much more, yeah, that feels good. I'll do that. No, it doesn't feel good. I'm not going to do that. You know, and how that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that means I, I just have to be maybe unpopular or I have to say no and live with the fact that maybe, you know, that might not come across well to other people, but you know, I'm really learning more and more and more to be truer and truer to myself and to be able to say no in loving ways, I think is the way to do that. But um, it's so important to just be you. I think that's really where the magic is. I think that's beautiful. And and you're right. 100% right. I used to be so agreeable and I would say yes to everything. Um, And now I'm just becoming in more demand and you're only one person. So you can only say yes to so many things. And then you really need to say yes to yourself. And I love my alone time. And I'm sure that you do as well. Um, So there is a lot of power. And as you said, in a loving, graceful way, um, saying thank you, but no, thank you at this time. Yeah. And, And I think when we're so busy and we don't have downtime, um, we kind of just automatically say yes to everything, especially as women. Mm-hmm. And we right. won't stop to listen. Well, do I really want to do that? Um, do I really want to go there? Do I really, can I really fit that in right now? Or am I just too depleted and I need time for me? Um, right. And that comes back to, to that balance and really slowing down to listen to what you need. Definitely. Well, um, just kind of pivoting gears a little bit because I want to maximize our time together. Can you talk to me um, about your children's nutrition story, um, Zach and Zara? Uh, Zach and Zara too at the zoo. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you for mentioning that. So, um, my passions really, um, as well as sort of you know helping people and nutrition and everything, are animals. Um, and um, particularly sort of the pandas and the elephants and all the big animals and everything. So I kind of just woke up one day and realized that we don't eat like animals. You know, we're not just eating carrots. We're eating all sorts of junk food. And if you gave an animal like a tiger um, candy, and you ask a child that question, they're going to say, well, it would get sick. They say it every time. <laughs> and I'm like, but you're an animal. No, I'm not, they'll say. I'm like, yeah, but you are. And they have to think about it. And, and there's maybe another conversation there to be had. But they then start to see, well, okay, I don't get sick straight away when I have you know, all this junk food. So they're not relating that they might not be well when they're older. Um, but they do understand that we should be eating as naturally as we can, like animals. And so this kind of book evolved, and that's really the gist of it. Um, and the kids in the book basically get to talk to the animal, which is an anteater, when they eat the same food. 
that the keeper gives them. And in this first book, it's about avocados because um, the whole world of fats is a very confusing one for, for many. Um, and there's a, a sort of everything has to be low fat when really, you know, avocado has so many healthy fats and other nutrients that um, it was a good good first food to pick. So the keeper gives the avocado, the kids get avocado and take it in their, their pack lunch that they take to the zoo. And they, when they eat and the animal eats, they can hear each other like magic. And, and basically the anteater explains in a very fun and playful way how its body works and, um, and how the nutrients help it. And the kids make the connection that those nutrients will do the same for them. Um, so it, it's a kind of, it takes the parents and the teachers, if it's being used in a classroom, off the hook of having to say, eat this, don't eat this, try and forcing vegetables down there. It gives the kids a different way of saying, oh, someone else is telling me this is healthy. Maybe I'll try it. And, you know, maybe I don't like that food today, but maybe I'll try it in, in you know, a few weeks time again. You know, it kind of just gives them gives them some inspiration to try healthy foods and and more importantly than anything i don't think we really explain enough about what nutrients are doing in our bodies everybody knows yeah vitamin c will help me have a strong immune system i should have it when i've got a cold or i need to have milk for my bones but you know and and, and maybe omegas you know, for my heart, but really that there's not that much education that's sticking with kids. I feel like in terms of, you know, I'm choosing what to eat because I know these foods are actually giving me what I need and my body needs to function and they taste good. We're, we're making our choices solely on what's convenient to get on the table quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what tastes good, what's cheap. And we're not making conscious decisions about, the nutrients that we need and then often we don't get those nutrients in what we eat so we're still hungry and then we overeat because we're right and this book is helping the parents if they don't know about proper nutrition I'm sure it's helping to educate them along with their child too. exactly it really does and um there's some recipes in there and conversation starters beyond for you know for the teacher and the parent beyond um just the, the nutrition content to you know, really um, allow sort of deeper conversations and further conversations about, you know, why are, for instance, anteaters endangered and things like that. Um, wow, that's magnificent, Sarah. Um, when you look through your your windshield, you know, your road trip up ahead of your mm -hmm. life, um, what else do you see um, for yourself? Well, I think personally, um, falling in love. It's at the top of my 2019 list. Ooh. <laughs> and, and in doing that, being my very authentic self and uh, being true to me within that. Um, so that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that journey. And I think as well, I'm getting a real calling at the moment to do more and more um, and build, I think, a group program um, for health coaching that really is a safe, nurturing place for teachers. Um, hmm. I'm being sort of very much pulled towards that. I feel that in education, there is a lot put on teachers. Um, 
it's often all their fault. They're being demanded more and more of them. And um, I think we, we, we're struggling to keep teachers in teaching, even though they may very, be very good because of the challenges of the job. When you think about it, it's very hard to get three kids to do what you want when you want, <laughs> let alone 40, um, all day long, you know. Um, and and having been there myself and struggled with my self-care and my health, um, I think these teachers, they, they, they need it. They really do, just so that they I totally agree with you. I have a sister who's a former teacher and quite a few uh friends who are teachers and I understand how overworked, undervalued and exhausted they are when they get home. And I'm not a teacher, but based on my conversations, I certainly think that this, um, this hunch that you have certainly has value and I'm excited to, to see how 2019 unfolds for you. Yeah. And, and I think what excites me about helping them is just getting back to that thing we talked about at the beginning, this sort of ripple effect is, you know, if I've helped one teacher, then they're going to pass into their classroom and model, you know, healthier behaviors. They're going to walk into the classroom, you know, with an orange and an, a salad for lunch. They're going to talk to their kids about, oh, yeah, you know, I ran with 5K this weekend. You know, there's going to be modeling that just innately happens, Um which will then filter down to those children and those families. And I think it brings me back to, to the schools and transforming schools and their health. And I think one of the biggest ways I can do that now is, is, is through the teachers. All up. Um, well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, space with me today. I'm very excited for everyone out there to take the lessons and the inspiration from your time and uh, you know continue to be this ripple of goodness and healthy living and mindfulness. But before we come to a close, I would absolutely love to know um, what you are celebrating, aka tooting your horn about. Oh my gosh, I think the biggest thing I'm tooting my horn about to myself right now is how very much recently I've been kind of challenged and tested um, over the last few weeks. And I think I've stood my ground in my own truth with my own boundaries the best I ever have. I think in the past I would have compromised for fear of losing people and losing things. I would have not been true to me and I would have kind of sacrificed really to um, keep being nice for other people, you know. And mm. I think right mm -hmm. now I, I've held my worth and in holding that worth and having those good boundaries um, and being true to what feels good and not, you know, allowing myself to act on anything that doesn't feel good, I've lost that mm -hmm. fear of losing things and people um, and relationships. Wow. And, and, and in that, mm -hmm. I've actually, I think just because I'm, being true to me, I feel freer and I feel lighter and I feel relief. Um, and I'm not 
moping around for <laughs> a long time or having to do lots of work to lift my spirits. It's almost like I just let it go, as the, the great song says. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm tooting my own horn for being holding my own worth and my own boundaries. Well, cheers to you. That is absolutely worth celebrating. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, of My Best Fuel and author of Zach and Zara, Chew at the Zoo. It's been so much fun to have you, and I cannot wait until I get to see you again. I know. We'll have to get together soon. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblett. If you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.